Hi, this is Liza Casabona, Managing Editor of Retail Dive. What you read on our site is only part of the story. Our reporters and editors are constantly researching, reading, and talking about the retail industry. And we, like most of you, are currently consumed by the seismic changes retailers face. We are also, like many of you, working through disruptions to our usual way of doing business. The Retail Dive team is working from home in multiple states to bring you our analysis of the forces reshaping retail. Here's what we can't stop discussing and debating. Here's where we talk about the news outside of our reporting. Welcome to the back room. Hey, Retail Dive readers, welcome back and thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Back Room. I'm Ben Unglesby, reporter with Retail Dive. I'm Daphne Howland, also reporter at Retail Dive. And today we are talking about Walmart Plus, the new uh, subscription service released by the retail giant. We've both had a chance to write a little bit about this, Daphne, but you recently put together sort of an in-depth story looking at what it means and um, whether it is or isn't a direct competitor to Prime. Maybe we can kind of get started with it right there. You know, whenever headlines have emerged about this prior to its official release, that was sort of the initial framing that this was Walmart's answer to Prime. And after looking at it and talking with folks, uh, did you did you conclude that that was the case? I mean... There are some, you know, bare bones comparisons or analogous elements to these two programs that are pretty close. Amazon Prime costs $119 a year. Walmart Plus costs $98 a year. Free same-day delivery. First glance, they seem very similar, but you don't have to go too far into where they diverge to realize there's something very different between these two options for shoppers. For one thing, anyone who's an Amazon Prime member, you know, they've got a streaming service that's pretty much as extensive as Netflix. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if a whole bunch of people belong to Amazon Prime just to belong to the streaming service the way they belong to Netflix. Walmart Plus started mid-September and immediately any columnist, analyst said their two cents about how it compared to Amazon Prime and Amazon Prime for people who were comparing it came out way ahead, partly because of those extra perks, which really locks people in. And the fact that Amazon Prime has millions more things available for one day, two day, and even same day delivery than what Walmart Plus offers they offer about 160,000 items for same-day delivery. However, as I talk to more people, it almost doesn't matter that Walmart Plus has so few items because most of those items are grocery items, and that's what this service is really about. It's about a grocery customer, which there are so many more people who, since COVID, have tried and liked online grocery ordering. And I think Walmart Plus from the people I've talked to is really a way for Walmart to A, lock in those customers, give them some rewards, and collect some beefy $98 annual fees from them to offset the cost of doing the work that Walmart customers have always done. Picking out your groceries, bagging, bringing them to the checkout counter, driving them home, for Walmart Plus customers, all that stuff is done for them by Walmart. You know, I mean, that's kind of been the story of Walmart's digital 
expansion of the last couple of years, so much of the driving force behind every double-digit increase in its digital sales every quarter is big chunk of that is is grocery, and it's something you know we I I'm guilty of kind of you know not looking deeply at that just because we tend to focus on other kinds of merchandise, but it's really been driving their their digital business. Not always. I I mean I think for Walmart there's some there's a little bit of angst there because grocery is a lower margin business, but there's also this race to kind of be the the first mover in, in grocery delivery and, and Walmart, that might be an area where it has some parity with Amazon and, and an advantage of having been in the, you know, big into the grocery business for a long time where Amazon is still kind of a novice even after buying Whole Foods. Well, and Walmart has tons more stores than Amazon. I mean, there's Whole Foods, which is a network of stores, but otherwise Amazon stores are still almost like pilot efforts compared to Walmart. And Walmart is a general merchandiser too. And Walmart Plus customers can get all kinds of stuff delivered, you know, as part of their unlimited free same day delivery. So the other thing is there's a fuel benefit that's pretty significant for anyone who drives a lot. Yeah. I thought that was a really interesting uh, piece that you pointed out in in your article because um, I, I I didn't realize that and that that kind of changes the calculus. And that's another thing where perhaps Amazon could sort of try to tie up with gas stations somewhere, but there are a bunch of Walmart stores that actually run gas stations and also at Sam's Club. I also wrote another story just that COVID has gotten Walmart some attention from customers that might not have necessarily considered it as a retailer, maybe diversified that customer base a little bit as people tried to find ways to shop for groceries and everyday things without actually having to go into the store. But Walmart is really a, it's a massive retailer, the world's largest retailer, And it's able to make money, including on groceries, because so much of its efficiency is oriented toward people driving to the Walmart store or the Walmart Supercenter, picking up all the stuff off the shelves, dragging it over to the checkout, and driving it home. All that stuff is expensively done when the retailer takes over. I mean, that's just true of e-commerce in general, just fulfillment and the especially the last mile getting that thing whatever it is you've ordered to your front door that's expensive it's not how walmart works i have to say even when looking at the grocery piece of it and the fuel piece of it and the competitive advantage walmart might have there i was still kind of surprised that they released the program with what to me seemed like a limited amount of perks and doodads and like not to say that they would release a program that was on you know had all of the perks that prime did with a with a you know walmart's on streaming service or or whatever but i might have might have expected more just more a, a wider offering even if it was you know grounded in shipping and grocery and fuel perks and and some of these others it was it just seemed like a very limited number of things from a marketing perspective if nothing else well walmart says they're going to be adding to the perks so we'll see what that is they sold off their their voodoo streaming service a couple of months ago so it's not going to be that i don't think yeah they're supposedly still interested in tiktok i don't know if that <laughs> would have anything to do with Walmart Plus. 
One of their perks is if you're shopping in a Walmart store, you can walk around with the scan and go feature pulled up on the app and scan everything yourself and then pretty much pay through the app. You don't have to stop at a self-serve kiosk or checkout. You don't have to go through the checkout process. But Keith Anderson from Profitero was wondering how it's going to really feel like in a Walmart, especially a Walmart that's sort of an egalitarian kind of place, where if you see people being able to scan and go and just walk by the checkout, you're going to kind of know that those people are the Walmart Plus people or that if you want to do that, you're going to have to pay $13 a month or $100 a year. Well, and correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of retailers that have those kinds of apps and options, it's often free, right? Yeah. I don't know if they, I don't really understand the logic behind if they're just assuming that the kinds of people who would be interested in using their app this way would be the ones more likely to sign up for Walmart Plus. But even that doesn't argue for making it a perk. That kind of weird haves and have nots kind of scenario seems especially weird in store. It's, It's sort of how things are right now at Whole Foods. If you're an Amazon Prime member, you get these added discounts at Whole Foods and it doesn't feel... And and I've talked to this with a couple of analysts. It's a little bit weird. It's a weird kind of exclusivity that doesn't necessarily sit well with all the prime members either. Like, yeah. I mean, you're creating a class groups among your like visible class groups among your yeah, yeah. It's not like apples are five cents off this week. It's like Amazon Prime members get five cents off. Yeah. So we'll see if those kinds of things last. When you also noted that Prime isn't necessarily the only model for a membership fee like this, and in fact, Prime kind of has its own antecedents. Well, yeah, so I didn't really go into this in my story. It seems logical to do so, but, um, you know, you can only torture your readers for so long with so many paragraphs. (laughs) Um, And Sam's Club, which is, of course, run by Walmart, already is a membership-based retailer. Costco, BJ's, they're all doing pretty well, Costco especially. They all require annual membership renewals. It's a little different because those are all warehouse-style retailers where you buy things in bulk. You might go there for big discounts on things like televisions or, or diamonds. Costco actually sells a bunch of diamonds. Then there's this treasure hunt aspect where they have piles of clothes and interesting things. Actually, I have a friend who's a wine, you know, aficionado and keeps his eyes peeled for certain wine deliveries at Costco. And I did ask actually Keith at Profitero about whether or not Walmart Plus would actually be a logical challenge to those kinds of retailers. But it's sort of like a remains to be seen kind of thing. Costco is definitely increased its e-commerce play. They seemed disinterested in it for a while, but they're doing more deliveries and stuff. But he also said that he has been predicting that Costco was going to really start to suffer and, and be hugely challenged by some of these other developments, Amazon and other people. And he said, you know, for a decade, I thought Costco was going to 
get weaker. And, you know, he's being proven wrong year after year. So I think right now maybe we're at a point where these players have to balance how much profit can they really make off of some of these operations. Amazon maybe is the leader, but they're all kind of following suit, teaching consumers to expect a certain level of price and a certain level of service for a certain value. Amazon's the only one with this huge money-making AWS cloud services unit that has the cushion to offer consumers a really, really good deal on some of this stuff without suffering too much for it itself. Walmart doesn't have that kind of, it really needs to make its sales and make its profits on what it does. So I think that might be where the tension is right now. Yeah, Walmart is not a business that is used to losing money, <laughs> even right. in one of its units. I think they all, I mean, the way I see it, and jump in if, if you disagree, but I mean, the way I see it with the warehouse clubs, you pay a membership fee to get into the door for value. And with Prime and Amazon, you're paying a fee for convenience. And then Amazon has that sort of added, it's it's kind of mind-bending their streaming service. Because I mean, on a monthly rate, it's not that much different price-wise than paying for Netflix. But you get you get a video service plus free shipping, plus all this other stuff. But they all kind of rely on maybe to some extent like the sunk cost fallacy where you've spent the money on the membership fees, so you might as well use it. <laughs> you know, you know, on Amazon, if you've already paid to be a Prime member, it makes it that much easier to, you know, make a purchase to buy something from Amazon that you might have bought somewhere else. Well, yeah, I'm definitely agreeing with you. And it also allows Amazon to not necessarily be the cheapest, cheapest on stuff. Because if you're a Prime member and it's something is marginally more expensive at Amazon, but you're going to get it in a day or two, you might be willing to stick with your Amazon Prime service and get it instead of waiting a week or or maybe not even quite knowing when it's going to arrive. You know it's going to get there within 24 or 48 hours. So that's another place that I think Amazon's been able to crank up the revenue a little bit. Let's talk about the title, <laughs> the headline of your article. Because <laughs> um, it, it comes right out and calls Walmart the largest, well, I'll read the whole headline for everyone's benefit is the world's largest retailer letting Amazon set the rules, which is a great headline, by the way. Um, well, yeah, thanks. But, you know, <laughs> it's because Amazon, you know, obviously is a major force in retail, but relative to its retail operations, especially now when you think about the fact that 60% of what they sell comes from its marketplace sellers, this is not a company that's making all that much money or all that much of its money from retail. It's making money from a big tech cloud services behemoth. It's making money from those sellers from that marketplace. They're making advertising money and services money, shipping. They're making money off of each sale that other people sell, other people's retail operations. First of all, compare Walmart's revenue to 
Amazon's revenue. And even with all those other operations, Walmart makes more money. Yeah. And <laughs> this, this has been a pet peeve of mine for a while now. And I actually wrote, uh, there was a New York Times story last year that just sort of offhandedly, this, isn't, this wasn't the focus of the story. It was just a story about Amazon and um, safety and its shipping business among its contract truckers. But it just, at one point in a parenthetical called Amazon, the largest retailer in the world. And <laughs> I wrote to the corrections editor. And I'm just like, no, it's not. Walmart is by leaps and bounds, the largest retailer in the world and much larger than Amazon. So the, of course they corrected the story. Yeah, no, no, they didn't. <laughs> no, they didn't. <laughs> and it still today drives me crazy. They responded to me and they, the editor that responded sent me a link to a Forbes index uh, of largest companies, but it was not largest companies by revenue the way that the Fortune 500 is. It's this, you know, sort of proprietary index that takes into account all these other streams of data, including market cap. And when you look at market cap, which is, you know, basically the value of the company as decided by the company's stockholders, in that case, you know, Amazon is leaps and bounds more valuable than Walmart because it, it has been a trillion dollar company at times. Well, I mean, if you think about it, it's sort of a virtuous cycle. If you're perceived as the world's largest retailer, you're probably more likely to have the world's largest market cap among retailers. I mean, Amazon doesn't really, except for that way of looking at it, which is an investor focused lens. Walmart's revenue last year was $524 billion they employ more than 2.2 million people globally, more than 265 million customers, more than 11,000 stores in 27 countries. And if you look at sales, and even if you just focus on the US, because Walmart is a huge global force yeah. too. If you look at just the US, Walmart does $341 billion in sales, which is a mind boggling number. Amazon does almost $171 billion of sales in North America, which is also a humongous number. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's roughly half of what the U.S. does. And then if you look at their profit off those respective businesses, Walmart makes more than $17 billion in operating income off of its U.S. business. And Amazon does... $7 billion in operating income off of its North American business. So more than twice the profit as well. And does that take, does that take into account AWS? No, that, that, that's excluding AWS. Yeah. So in yeah. 2019, um, it made about $2 billion more from AWS in operating income, $2 billion more in operating income from AWS, but the revenue the difference is crazy. So they made $9 billion, more than $9 billion in operating income off of $35 billion of revenue versus $7 billion, which is less from their North American e-commerce business on $170 million. I mean, the the margins are insanely, I mean, there's an insane disparity there. So you, you can see where Amazon gets the money 
even even though they hate it. They hate this. <laughs> they hate it when people talk about this. Well, I think it would be a very interesting experiment to see if you know, and and I'm not this is not a political pitch one way or the other for breaking up Amazon. I know that that's a topic among many different circles. Nevertheless, it would be a very interesting experiment to me to see what the alternate universe is where Amazon actually operates as a retailer in the way Target or Walmart or Costco does. Even let's let it have its marketplace. But how does that you know, the Amazon gets a lot of credit for being forward thinking. They definitely are. But, you know, it seems to me it's a lot easier to be forward thinking when you're, you know, essentially being subsidized by an unrelated endeavor. Well, and also we talked about perceptions among shareholders. This is something I, I've heard from people too. Uh, Charlie O'Shea at Moody's has mentioned this a few times in conversation. Amazon's shareholders have a much higher appetite for losses and risk and investment than the shareholders of the traditional retail business world. Amazon can announce massive investments in its logistics business and its shipping, whatever, new costs in its retail business. And, and investors don't, they don't blink an eye. Whereas when Target announced a big sort of turnaround effort in, I think it was 2017, their stock went way down. A traditional retailer announces an investment or an acquisition and their stock drops because of the costs involved, because they know shareholders know they're going to be losing profit in the short term. That doesn't happen in Amazon. When Amazon announced the acquisition of Whole Foods, its stock went up. Like that is that is like throwing a baseball at the ground and it just goes up into the sky instead. I mean, that is against the laws of gravity in, in, in the equity markets. It's like Amazon is a tech company in the sheets, but a retailer in the streets. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, so, yeah, I mean, it, it, it can do a lot of things and test a lot of different things and fail, and shareholders will accept it because of the history of its stock price in, in a way that Walmart's shareholders or Target's shareholders or Costco's shareholders or I mean, name pretty much any other traditional retail business on the planet, and they just play by a different set of rules when it comes to their shareholders. And shareholders make a big difference. So if Walmart Plus is Amazon Prime-like to some extent, Amazon is also trying to get more sales or reach out to more customers who wouldn't ever buy a Prime membership. So Keith Anderson from Profitero sees them each as sort of encroaching on each other's territory a little bit and thinks that they'll both maybe give up at some point and realize membership-based, you know, Walmart has tried and abandoned memberships a couple of times now. He thinks that's going to happen again. And he thinks that Amazon will probably not try so hard to to reach the non-prime shopper either. The release of the membership is is interesting to me because for so long, Walmart had touted it as, as a sort of selling point, the fact that you could get free shipping without a membership. I always kind of pictured them sort of like rolling their eyes, like, oh, you know, <laughs> if you know you want to pay to get to free delivery, fine, <laughs> but you, know, you shouldn't have to pay for that. But it, but it is a selling point too. I mean, in my own house, I've, I've 
pointed that out, you know, like, let's try Walmart. It's free shipping over $35. But yeah, I, I don't know how widely it's known or how much it matters to people or if Amazon already has such a hook on people who are, you know, the people who are most committed to online shopping with, with the Prime membership that it's it's already kind of a lost cause. I think, you know, both of these dot-com, these are mass merchants, right, online. If you already know what you want, it probably almost doesn't, I think there, there's probably a whole section of the U.S. consumer base that, knows to just find the best price free shipping or not i mean sometimes you can pay for shipping but the prices are you know it all comes out the same or better so people know to do that math and just order it from wherever no matter what membership they may or may not have i think where amazon beats walmart right now is their assortment is so massive because their marketplace is so massive but you know they also have all the problems that are coming from their marketplace you know the counterfeits and that's where i see an opening for walmart and target and maybe some of the other big retailers including costco online is they are traditional retailers they have deep relationships with brands you buy something on the amazon marketplace and first of all it's not I mean, you have you have to be sort of trained to to know how to look to see who you're buying from, and even then, there there can be complications. But you don't always know what you're gonna get. Whereas, you know, Walmart or Target could be a true online retail giant where they're the retailer. They are the party that is selling the thing. You know, they're the ones with the relationships with the manufacturers and the vendors and whatnot. They could tout that as you know, you don't have to sift through the sellers and sift through the feedback and, you know, decide if, am I going to get what the page tells me I'm going to get? Is it going to be a counterfeit? Part of the point of a store, of a retailer, is that they do the work of vetting for you. And on an online marketplace, that is, the marketplace itself has ceded that, the job of the retailer to its sellers. And its sellers could be anybody. So you're putting it back and the customer has to be the vetter. And that's just time consuming and stressful. And most people aren't, you know, educated. Well, I don't know, but my guess would be that. I think it's so, I think it's like the wild west because, you know, Amazon, when it says that it's customer focused, it's like not a lie. That is another area where Amazon will rather lose a buck than not solve a problem for a customer type of thing. And when they say that they want to make Amazon Prime just like a no-brainer, just a great thing, it's totally worth it, $119 a year, a no-brainer. They want people to be able to feel that way. I think they also know, they've got to, that the marketplace is a real area where they don't have that level of control. I mean, they can take things up with the sellers as they come up if someone wants to make a return you know i think amazon is there to smooth stuff over when there are problems but for the cumulative sort of level of uncertainties and complaints and confusion it's not good for that strength that it really weakens a true strength and i i i don't know how they deal with it honestly yeah i think their goal is to respond quickly and in the most customer-friendly way possible 
they're developing new tools and th they're throwing resources at it, but the marketplace is so big. The volume is so big that it's impossible to completely control it. I mean, millions of sellers, millions of sellers. And to go through and vet, to do the things that they would have to do to ensure, to completely eliminate you know, all problems, I mean, they would cease to be, I think they would probably cease to be a profitable company, or at least the business proposition of Amazon would be diminished, you know, hugely. Yeah, I, I would actually be curious to know what tools they could really use. I mean, it, I get the sense that it's that it's very reactive. Problems pop up and they deal with it. That starts to feel sort of like a whack-a-mole situation. The Retail Industry Leaders Association actually has a safety coalition group that has a couple of suggestions, and they want Amazon to just vet a seller's location. Yeah. Which would be a start. I mean, that would be a start. But yeah, I mean, I think there is there's an opening in there for a retailer that you don't have to, an online retail outlet that you don't have to think about, you know, in terms of if you're going to buy a pair of Nikes, you don't have to think about or wonder about who's actually selling it to you because it is the it is the name on the website selling it to you. And it's easier to do that at one shop than to go to every single brand or every single product, you know, every single DTC website for everything that you want to buy. But I don't know if that could be Walmart or, or Target, but I would have to think that there is some opening in there because it's, it's hard to sift through everything. It's kind of a pick your poison situation. Do you want to miss out on the marketplace phenomenon where you can make money every time someone else makes an effort or makes a sale in retail, you get some of their, and you know. And have a huge assortment. Yeah, too, and to have, have that huge assortment. I mean, Target has a, a little bit of a marketplace, but they've made a point of curating it, which means they avoid some of these issues that we're talking about, but they also are not known for their endless assortment. So Amazon's market is huge, but not even a huge marketplace makes it, at least not yet, the world's largest retailer. All right, that's all the time we have today. Thanks for listening. Be sure to rate, subscribe, and like our show wherever you get your podcasts.